0: Welcome to Taking the Pulse, a healthcare podcast. I'm here with Nexen Pruitt Healthcare Attorneys, Matthew Roberts and Dara Coleman today. We're going to talk about the landscape of the healthcare industry, some things that as practitioners, both of them are seeing and serving clients and what may be ahead. So we're going to cut right to it. Matthew, uh, you've been serving the healthcare industry your entire career. It's Probably the toughest time ever, I imagine, for some of your clients. What are some of the challenges?
1: Well, obviously, COVID sort of hangs over everything in terms of challenges for healthcare providers because they're limited into how much of the normal work they can do. They're worried about their employees, uh, and, and frankly, it's 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 just a different world they're in. Um, they're not getting paid as much um, because they're not doing as much. Other aspects of the healthcare industry that are concerning are you see a consolidation of providers uh, within hospitals, and that's creating questions for communities, questions for hospitals that would like to remain independent, and questions for physicians um, as you know, who am I going to be working for today? Uh, and I also think that it, that some of the consumers, you know, question is that good for me? Is that if we have you know just one hospital system in the community? So those are some of the dynamics that we're they're facing now, but. The one thing about healthcare, there's always change, and there's always something new on the horizon, both good and bad.
0: Do you think we'll ever go back to the old way before the pandemic?
1: Uh, Well, the old way was changing bit by bit, so I think that change will continue, but I think we will have learned a lot of things from uh, this pandemic. Telehealth is here to stay. I think that will be a major change, and I think a welcome one. Um, But I think the new normal is going to continue to be new until we get through, you know, COVID long. and put it behind us.
0: Right. Daryl, what about you? What are some challenges that your clients are seeing and then how are they navigating those?
2: Well, one of the interesting things is that people outside of the healthcare system are now participating in healthcare decisions on a daily basis. Right. And one of the challenges that employers outside of the healthcare sector are facing is trying to apply guidelines from the CDC and DHEC to their industry. And sometimes those guidelines are not so clear, and sometimes the language may appear contradictory. So, for example, we recently had a new guideline that extended the quarantine period for the um, household member of someone who had been a close contact or come into close contact with a positive case to 24 days.
0: 24?
2: And when that new guideline came out, there was a ripple effect for employers because you're like, all of a sudden, this is a really um, expensive and potentially catastrophic quarantine guideline. And what does that mean? Well, then you have this group of employers that are within a different category, and those are your critical infrastructure employers, and there's a different set of rules for them. So we really had to parse through what does that mean when you look at the CDC guidelines and the DHEC guidelines side by side, the CDC had developed a very detailed analysis which we then were able to apply and walk through with folks, which DHEC didn't have yet. So that navigation um, has been quite challenging, but the beauty of it is that as we're walking our clients through this, we're getting to know our clients' businesses much better. And so it's enabling us to develop a much more intimate relationship and a much better understanding of how our clients are doing business, whether they're in the healthcare sector 100% of the time or whether their business is outside of the healthcare sector for the majority of the time.
0: It seemed like um, companies that really didn't have a lot to do with healthcare, like now everybody has to be thinking about healthcare all the time because I've noticed that you've been working with a lot of clients That have nothing to do with healthcare, but they're trying to juggle the CDC guidelines, not get sued because of this Mm -hmm. PPE or failure to do that. um, It's almost like having a second job keeping up with all of this, I think, for companies at this time.
2: It is, and it's very taxing because the guidelines can change overnight without a warning to the employers that something has shifted. And so you really have to have someone who is monitoring the changing guidelines to help you stay abreast of it because there is potential liability if you're not paying attention to it. But one of the great things is that if you do pay attention and you're trying your very best to comply with the guidelines, that effort can be utilized as a defense in the event of an OSHA complaint. Um, If you can demonstrate that you have tried to protect your employees, um, that is really very useful, and we've been quite successful in assisting some of our um, employers who are outside of the healthcare environment when um, they've been on the receiving end of one of those uncomfortable OSHA complaints to have them resolve very timely by putting forth um, in a very nice, tidy package all of the evidence demonstrating exactly what they've done. Yeah,
0: that's good.
1: Heather, one of the things that, that Dara pointed out about the employers becoming more involved in the health of their workforce, um, there was a trend before COVID that that was happening more. And that was primarily a cost dynamic, because if you're paying for the insurance of your workforce and that cost is going up, or if you're self-insured, you're going to really be focusing on it. So bigger companies were starting to create new positions where they were almost like chief health administrators for their workforce. So it will be interesting to see because COVID has made large employers focus and be focused on the health and wellness and the location of their employees. if this continues, and I think it will, um, there's all, t- all types of new technology, from wearables um, to, to devices or apps that allow employers to track what their employees are doing from a health perspective. And that creates a lot of potential legal questions. And in other countries, like South Korea, when they're doing contact tracing for um, COVID, they're doing it through technology primarily and their laws are slightly different than ours, and it's easier for them to use technology with apps and wearables than it would be here. But I think that's something on the horizon for us to look, look at as a trend that will likely continue.
0: Well, people may be more open to it just because of the pain point of being shut down.
1: Yeah, they might be, they might be. What is the cost to reopen? Right. What does it take for us to get back to what we were?
0: Now, I know you've also been following the testing that's gone on for right. COVID. What are you seeing that's going on now? What do you forecast in the well, future?
1: Both Dara and I are very involved with some clients who are trying to offer additional testing services to South Carolinians and beyond. And and it's they've been great to, to get to know, and they're great clients. Their frustration is going through the governmental process to be able to do testing in a way that is convenient and efficient and timely, meaning Get result get people tested get their results back not in a week but in a matter of you know 24 48 hours right. and i think we're going to see some uh, free market dynamics which you don't often see in healthcare come to play as the labs who can do this most efficiently and effectively are going to rise to the top because testing is one way out of this but it's testing and contact tracing they need to go together um, as tom keith alluded to in 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 our discussion with him Government doesn't have unlimited resources, so it's looking to private, the private sector to help on testing. But they've got to make the entree to help a little easier. And so we're <laughs> neck deep in that process, helping folks be, you know, get uh, authorized to test on behalf of the state and in the free market world.
2: Right. But that testing is expensive. Well, it's not that expensive. It's not necessarily prohibitive. I mean, a PCR test, I think it's between $75 and $100. It's a little more expensive for the antibody testing if you're paying out of pocket. A lot of the insurance providers are bearing that cost as part of an employer-provided health plan. So there are a lot of ways that you can minimize the cost if you as an individual are seeking the testing um, outside of a DHEC um, public health-provided program. So it's really not cost prohibitive um, or as cost prohibitive as you might think. But to go back to something that um, Matthew touched upon, this really has been a a season of unprecedented learning where the government has learned a lot from the private sector. And what I found interesting in working with our clients is some of our clients have been able to learn from some of our other clients, or at least I've been able to learn from some of our larger, more Advanced clients and take some of that information back to some of our smaller um, clients and share ideas with them. And we can modify different plans and ideas um, that are fiscally responsible and available for them. And so, this is a great idea exchange um, season. And it's really one of those times where the cream will rise to the top. And if you are innovative and savvy, this is a wonderful time to be in business. If you're cost heavy, this is a cumbersome time and a difficult time to be and business. slow
1: and, and not be able to react to the environment. You right, have you to have be to, able be able to be agile. Adapt quickly. Right.
2: So. Do you think some healthcare
0: providers won't be able to make it?
1: I do. I think that there will be some health care providers that are currently independent that will feel the need to affiliate in some way with a larger entity because the cost of going through COVID, where the revenue is down and their expenses are up, is is maybe more than they can bear. Um, and so I think. Organizations like SC Bio and Sam Conduras we had on the podcast earlier in the year, they are doing a great job doing exactly what Dara talked about where they're trying to create some group learning through their members. So as ideas come up, as opportunities come up, they're talking to one another and and you see exciting industry opportunities in the state of South Carolina, where we talked about, now this has some federal um, congressional support uh, doing PPE in South Carolina. So South Carolina providers can build their own PPE market. So we're not having to go to China or wherever to buy masks, gloves, what have you. Uh, and that's gotten a lot of people that would like to have never been in the healthcare industry would, are going to get into the healthcare industry. So it's good for the state. It's good for the healthcare industry, but so there are going to be some winners and losers Mm -hmm. as a result of this, but there are going to be some providers who are significantly affected, but somebody else is going to see this as this groundbreaking opportunity for them to do well.
0: When do you think you could we could start to see some consolidation? Is it going to be until we get? Oh, oh, it's ongoing. ongoing. See, the
1: consolidation trend on the provider side has never stopped. This will likely enhance it. I see. Um, And there will be antitrust concerns as as some hospitals who are competitors get together and and that gets looked at more closely. But I do see that as being an opportunity for that to continue at a higher rate. Plus, I think you'll see venture capital funded groups coming in to buy providers so they are a little bit more uh, in in terms of more resources they can afford to deal with this sort of dead period in terms of revenue and so I think you'll see some change of ownership as a result of that as well.
0: Dara, one last question for you. Uh, Mental health, substance abuse issues Mm -hmm. because of the pandemic, are are companies going to have to start worrying, continue or
2: increase worrying about those sorts of things? Absolutely. And so a lot of the benefits that are provided by employers, I think, are going to be utilized and perhaps need to be enhanced because people are suffering. Um, As we heard from Sarah Goldsby's interview, we know that nationally and also here in South Carolina, the incidence of overdose, um, particularly in the month of May alone, almost doubled. I think it was 920 overdose incidences in May alone versus, I think, roughly 514 in 2019. We are also seeing a similar trend with young adults. We're seeing a trend of depression amongst children, um, and we know that part of that is due to the absence from school and the isolation from their peer group. The same effect is true for adults because this has been a time that is simply unprecedented. We are all um, dealing with a dynamic shift in how we live, work, play, interact with the people who are around us. So. It is more important now than ever that the benefits available to the workforce are communicated to them and an emphasis is placed on their ability to utilize those. Um, But it's really important that employers are paying attention to their workers and taking care of them in all aspects, not just checking their temperature for COVID, but also um, taking care of their mental health needs. Really
0: asking them, how are are you doing? Yes, absolutely. And we have a client who's doing that, and their employees said that that has made a difference. Merely ask, how are you doing?
1: Very important during this time.
0: Yes. Well, Matthew Roberts, Darrell Coleman, thank you for joining us for this edition of Taking the Pulse. I'm Heather Hoops Matthews, and I hope you'll join us next time.